so this is part two of the conversation with joey page um if you haven't heard part one yet click off this and go down and click on part one and if you like what you hear come back here and listen to part two um if you have listened to part one already and you're here thanks very much here's part two And then he was like, oh, we should stay in touch. And I was like, yeah, but I'm also thinking, oh, obviously not. No. And then he was like, let me take your number. And I was like, okay. Oh, and then I didn't hear from him for a while. And then he texted me and he was like, I'm working on this thing called Luxury Comedy. Um, I'd really like to get your like input on it. Um, he's like, let's meet up soon. And I was like, cool. And then I never heard from him. No. And then like two years later, he was like, you remember I told you about that luxury comedy thing? He's like, it's being made. Can you come in for a meeting? So I went in. And then like, I was in there like helping come up with ideas and stuff. And then he wanted me to do the like behind the scenes kind of DVD extras film. I'd never made a film or anything. But he's like, that's what I want you to do. But also I'm gonna give you a couple of little like bit parts in it as well. So I was on the set every day watching them, filming little bits of my little side projects. That must have been an amazing it was learning so good. experience. And it was like Kim Noble, um, it was, uh, Dolly Wells, it was like uh, Rich Fulcher, just every day. Um, Nigel Cohen, who he made it with, like they did all the animation and like they wrote it together. It's like spending every day with these guys um, was just like incredible for me. And then one day I just went, um, "What are you doing tonight, Nigel? Do you want to go pub after finished filming?" And he was like, oh, "I can't. I'm I'm filming Buzzcocks tonight." And I was like, "Oh, if you ever get any like free tickets, like studio, I'd love to come and watch it." And he was like, "Do you want to be on it?" And I was, like, I was like, oh, fuck off. And really? he was like, I can, get, I can get you on it. I was like, you can't, because nobody knows who I am. And then I bet him a <laughs> bottle of rum that he couldn't get me on it. And then basically, he got in touch with them. They sent someone to watch me do a gig. Luckily, it was on a day when I had a good gig, because at that time, I could very easily, and this is why like, it took me a long time to get with a lot of clubs, because I go to clubs, die horribly. Because I was so like focused on being surreal and not necessarily focused on yeah. being funny. Uh, like I'd be like, oh, asking something of the crowd what the name is. That's hack. Like I was like one of those kind of pricks. And uh, I'm almost the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, oh, if I ask someone their name and that takes up a minute of stage time, brilliant. Fuck it, yeah. <laughs> Just but, tell me about tell me about yourself, please. Yeah, but it's um. Yeah, so I had a good gig and then they booked me for it and then I did really well on the first one and then I got asked to come back and do the Christmas special or the next series nice. and I did alright on that. That one I was a little bit in awe because it was like Christmas special. Yeah. Uh, Bob Mortimer was on it as well who's like obviously as I said earlier is one of my heroes. So I was sat in between Bob and Noel and at points, not because I was nervous, I was just watching them having a great time and thinking, no I've got to say something because that's my job. Yeah. Not, my job isn't to be in the audience. <laughs> I was in a 3D version of the audience just watching these two like <laughs> well, amazing comics that I love. The thing is you kind of would though because you're it's these are two people that you've grown up yeah. watching and you're just in you don't want to interrupt you don't want to interrupt them, you don't want to interrupt the flow of what they've got because it's just so magical. And then like but, Phil Jupiter was like such a, an amazing person to me as well like he gave me really good advice and he was like just keep talking because they've got to edit it into a story that makes sense as well as one that's yeah. like necessarily the funniest half hour yeah so if you're in it a lot they if you say something and it doesn't get a big laugh only the 200 people in this room are going to know about that because yeah. they'll 
they'll put laughter under it. So just keep going, keep putting yeah. stuff in. And that gave me the confidence to just like try whatever I wanted and be. And, yeah. and I really think I took the ball and ran with it. And then I made a couple of horrible business decisions coupled with um, being a bit cocky. Uh, and then it didn't go anywhere. Like ultimately, there was they didn't have me on the next series because they said we'd never have people on three series in a row, but we'll get you in for the one after. And then lo and behold, that was the last series. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to be the captain of a program called um, Fake Reaction. I'd done all the pilots and all yeah. the like. And then at the last minute, um, they said, oh, actually, we want uh, a female captain on one of the teams, and I got dropped. And there's nothing you can do about that. No. Uh, so I lost that job, which would have been like a full series on TV. And yeah. that would have changed my career. I changed agent for the wrong agent at the wrong time. Uh, and all my momentum just sort of stopped. Okay. And then, yeah. And then it all, my whole TV thing just sort of like kind of sank from there. Yeah. Um, and, which is fine because I wasn't a very good comedian. Okay. I was a lucky comedian, and like I was an original. Well, if you unless you think I was copying no, <laughs> but I was a surreal comedian. Which yeah. There wasn't any new up and coming surreal comedians in the sense of, and I'm not talking like you know I would say John Kearns is a surreal comedian, but yeah. he's like kind of half character comedian. Angelos is a character comedian. Yeah. Um, Jordan Brooks is like surreal, but in his form. And these guys weren't even around then. But it's like I was like in the kind of same mould of like you know trying to be surreal like Eddie Izzard or Ross Noble. There wasn't anybody new mm. kind of doing that style yeah. of like flight of fancy kind of surreal comedy. So I was getting by because I was different, but I was never getting out of the middle slots really. Apart from because I've done buzzcocks, then I was getting booked for loads of gigs I wasn't good enough to do. Yeah. I was dying at them. The TV started dropping off, and then I was like, "Fuck, is my career over?" And I'm only like 27. And I was like, "I'm never going to get back to that like height of being on yeah. the buzzcocks." And like Noel Fielding's luxury comedy that had stopped, and so it's like. Oh, I'm like maybe I've just got stopped now. Maybe I had a like really short, good career mm. quickly, but like nobody would put me because they couldn't trust that I wasn't going to die. Yeah. Or like uh, not anywhere that was paying like good money or whatever. No. And so um, got frustrated with my agent, left another agent, and it just was like I don't know what I'm really going to do. And then I went to Australia and did. Uh, my wife was my girlfriend at the time she was doing a show out there for six weeks at a festival she was like why don't you come and visit me and I was like I can't really afford it um, and she was like yeah but you could write it off against a tax if you could get some gigs so I went there I did a few gigs somebody dropped out of a five day run I took that over nice. at, um, her fringe in like Western Australia and like weirdly just as luck would have it at the same time Buzzcocks was on out there yeah. so I sold all my shows out Nice. It gave me some confidence back, but I'd also like in that sort of two or three year period where I was doing nothing, I was working really hard to be better at stand up, but not really getting anywhere, and I felt like I'd started again. Mm. But then I went there and it gave me like a little kick that I was like, oh yeah, I actually am can be quite good at this yeah. if I put my mind to it. But I guess at the time I was doing buzzcocks and that, I was single, I was hanging about with Noel, I was getting into going out and stuff, and I was just like. Quite frankly, this is a piece of cake. But I was yeah. never working. If I worked anywhere near as hard as I work on, is that the right word to put in there? Um, like, is that the, you know? Yeah. Should that joke or that joke? Oh, yeah. I'd have been away, but I just was too young and I wasn't focused at all. So, 
you pretty much had you were living the life, but you were living the life basically, and that was. Yeah, off of very little. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Off of two TV appearances, yeah. which is far more. Yeah. But that's kind of understandable, though, when you get it at that, when you get it early. But you know, when that started happening, I was 24, 25. Yeah. I've been doing stand up for two or three years. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then I lost all my confidence for about five years and was like, just sort of going, sort of shuffling around and doing gigs every now and again. But yeah. not, I was still always trying, but I was never really getting. Yeah. anything out of it but yeah Australia gave me some confidence and then I wrote a new show and it kind of changed the way like when Tom Parry directed that changed the way I wrote yeah. my stand up uh, changed the way that I wrote a show and I was just like yeah now I would say people that liked me when I started or when I was doing like around Buzzcocks time yeah. I reckon if they came to see me now they might be a bit disappointed like I always put a couple of surreal things in yeah. because like they come to me and I fit them in and they fit nicely like I've got a bit where I pretend I say like oh my wife's not the girl of my dreams and what I mean by that is she's not the girl yeah. of my actual dreams because I've not had a dream about a girl who didn't have a face and she was made of crisps and then I go on a tangent about that so it's like there is surreal bits in there but a lot more of it is just like I try and write funny stuff first yeah. not weird stuff first do you know what I mean and so yeah. I feel like some people maybe go oh I'm disappointed yeah. Like they like that, but also the majority of people hmm. prefer what I do now. And I say that because I get more work. Yeah. <laughs> you know well, I mean? that's also about growth and development, isn't it? Yeah, and I think you do change. It's like, you know, I'm sure it's like, like I, I'm really into music and I like it a lot. Like, you know, you see you bands, do, you, you, you love their first two albums. Oh, like so much. I've, I've got a little... Um, alternative uh, music radio show nice so I have to listen to loads of stuff for that but um, it's it's kind of like like I like I like a good bit of like sort of quirky kind of hip hop but mainly um, sort of like guitar led or like nice. synth led music I wouldn't yeah. say indie because I hate that word because <laughs> I think that makes you think of Pete Docker in yeah who I used to dress like in 2009, but do you know what I mean? But the thing is, he's not really indie anymore. He's no, more, I know. He's more like, mainstream think, than anything. I think indie sounds like crap. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, you know, guitar, like there's a guy called Ty Segal who I really love. Um, a guy called Kurt Vile who like, uh, it's one of my favourites, like Bowie, all that kind of, yeah. it's like in- interesting, but like stuff that's still got like a bit of a tune or a melody. Like, okay. I don't like too experimental where it's like, oh, this sounds like a bird cheeping in a bin. Like, like, <laughs> for the sake of it being like out there or different, but yeah. So, but I just think like, say you like a band and you like their first two albums, but then as a band they change their sound because they're growing up and they're becoming different people. Yeah. And you think, oh, why are they not making those albums? Yeah. But I think everybody kind of changes because. I I felt that way about Fallout Boy. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Because they started off. Obviously, with a bit, with a bit more emo, like emo guitar and stuff, and now it's auto tune electronics, auto tune yeah, electronic right. stuff, and I'm just, I can't get into it. Right. But then again, that's but they're trying. To, I guess I don't know anything about Fallout Boy, but it sounds like they're trying to stay relevant. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like you look at all really good comedians, like Stuart Lee. Look at how much he's changed over the years mm. to stay relevant. Like um, he's massively different from how he how started. He started. Yeah. And it's, not necessarily in his structure but in his presentation of himself and yeah. things like that whereas you look at maybe someone like Russell Brand who hasn't no one's really like clamouring to see him anymore because he's still being like you know, oh, this I know. but it's like 
people have moved on from that, I but guess. In a way, he may not have transformed, he may not have grown up much as a comedian, but as a person, he has done, I think he's a lot more introspective than he used right. to be, which is why we don't see him on the stand yeah. so much anymore. Like, I listen to his podcast on right, the skin. Okay. So see, I don't. Ah, I, there you go. Carry, so, yeah. Um, so he, I'm a massive fan, but I understand that a lot of people are. Um, he talks about mental health and a lot more mm. about um, meditation and that, kind of stuff, and that kind of stuff, which is something he got into quite later in life after he went to Hollywood and came back and decided he actually hated everything about that lifestyle came back and then decided you know what I need to grow up a little bit and then that's why it took so long to get the Messiah, the Messiah Complex tour going and then the rebirth, yeah, the yeah. rebirth thing but yeah it's all about it is all about growth though like, yeah. and I think if you're not growing like you did and you're staying the same then you get forgotten a lot more you get forgotten a lot more easily yeah like I feel like I pretty much like I feel like I'm on my second career yeah rather than because I used to always use like buzzcocks as like a stick to beat myself up with a bit like well, I'm never going to get back there so what's the point of me even trying whereas and like people don't associate me with that as much anymore like no. buzzcocks and like I've got a different look now which is just because you know over time like anything you change your taste change yeah. your into it's like I always used to wear like a trilby on stage to the point that people still always go to me where's your hat and it's like I haven't worn like a big brimmed hat for like six years but people go oh you've still wearing your hat on stage because it's like that's because I've worked hard to make people associate me with that but then I was like oh god I look like Pete Doherty but that that look hasn't been cool for about five years so it's like well what am I what am I going to do now and it's like I said about Bowie earlier something changes change their sort of look and their style really often to stay relevant what I quite like about the style that you use on stage now is that you look a bit like a lost geography supply teacher yeah I'm happy with that yeah I think I think you should look I don't know odd like I used to be obsessed with looking cool whereas now I'm like you want to look odd you want people to look at you and go what's this guy about I think or girl do you know what I mean whereas when I wander on even though last night maybe it worked against me a little bit at my tenure at the comedy store, but that's what I want for like yeah. a 20 or longer because you want people to be intrigued by you. You want to be intrigued and you want to keep them invested. Mm. And part of, the, part of the way to do that, I find, is for them to be intrigued, is for them to be intrigued by you. Whereas if you come on and look like everybody else, they're like, yeah. well, ah, oh, this is going to be more of the same, which is not necessarily a bad thing. And no. You've probably got more chance, maybe, of, I don't know, if you've got more or less chance of success or if that's yeah. even important, but it's like, and, and also to the point that, like, I do like attention, like I'm a comedian, for yeah. sake, and, yeah. and that, that's how I dress in general, like, you yeah. know what I mean, like, I maybe amp up slightly for going on stage, but, like, the suits I wear on stage are, like, a rolling jumper or, like, a rolling jumper and a baseball cap mm. uh, is what I wear in real life to go down the pub with my mates, and my mates will be like, what the fuck are you wearing, pages? And I'm like... <laughs> Because I love that. Because yeah. But like, I've always been like that in some way. Like even like that, the Pete Doherty hat used to be like, I used to wear like pearl necklaces or whatever back in the like 2000s. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you wearing a girl's t-shirt? Because I want attention. Yeah, you know that's I mean? it. <laughs> uh, and so it was, I think it's nice to walk down the road and have people look at you and go, yeah. what's he wearing? Or even 
sneer of it. She's like, yeah. yeah, but I got your attention a bit. Yeah, it? that's it. It's, it's that thing, isn't it? No press is bad. No, no press is bad press. Yeah. Which is absolute bullshit. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> terrible press. So, what was I going to say? So, do you reckon you'll be back at Edinburgh in a couple of years' time? Or you... I would either say I'm either going to have a year or two years, depending on how quickly I can write a show that basically is, in my mind, either like the best thing I've ever... Basically, if yeah, I go back, it'll be the best thing that I've done and I'll have saved enough money so that people know that it's happening. Yeah. And otherwise, I'm not, I won't bother. Okay. Because I think, like, um, also, you've got to look at it from the point of view of how um, positively diverse everything is becoming, and rightfully so. Yeah. Why would anybody come and see a guy that has been going for 15 years that is a white male unless what they're doing is absolutely brilliant? Because you're funny though, that's the that's But yeah, but there's yeah. loads of people in my demographic that are funny, so that's that isn't true. enough. So the show has to stand out, the show has to be absolutely spectacular for me to get what I want to get out of it. Yeah. Because my demographic of comedian, rightfully so, doesn't have the monopoly on that anymore. The yeah. only the only place where I think I have got a unique and maybe this is something I want to write about, I've been thinking about it more and more over the last couple of years, is and I touched on it earlier when I was talking about the, people, the types of people that get nominated or that get the attention yeah. um, is that I come from a working class background and I think that's still underrepresented yeah. in all walks of all media yeah. and entertainment and and when it is represented it's normally like as a sort of bit of a laughing stock you know what yeah. I mean like Joey Essex Danny Dyer that everyone thinks oh these guys are thinking shit and we're going to laugh at them but is Joey Essex isn't even working working class stuff he's portrayed as that of course yeah, yeah but he's and, and am I 100% like I'm working class in my roots but you yeah. know I had a nice life growing up yeah. like I didn't have everything I wanted I shared a room with my brother and yeah. you know, there's, by no means am I saying that there weren't people more working class than me yeah, yeah, and more yeah. worse off than me like I, I had you know my, my old man worked really really hard to make sure that we always could do or have whatever we wanted yeah. go on holiday that sort of thing yeah. but uh, I, it's more like the ideals. Like I never got given anything. Yeah, so like, you had to had work to, to get yeah, yeah. yeah, whether it was pocket money, whether it was like, like I used to be an electrician with my dad because he made me go and work for him Good. to earn my own money when I was growing up. Good, but you need to do it's that. Useless, but <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to give you the money you want to go on this trip. You're going to come and work and earn it. And like, you know, even now, I could probably just about live off of just like gigging yeah but I don't gig every night or I don't work I certainly don't do loads in the day no so I've like I've got a little uh, like um, sort of corporate presenting job that I do uh, I've got a little part time job that I do not even when I need money when I'm free because yeah. I want as much money as I can so that I can afford nice stuff yeah because that's the that's the sort of and that's what I'm talking about working class that's what I grew up yeah. that's how I was taught to be as when I was younger yeah. so it's like it's not a question of do I need to work next week I could probably get away without working but you if there's work, work there yeah. I might as well have the money same so yeah. that's, exa- that's exactly how I feel about it. that's exactly how I feel about it as well yeah. because and, and I work in a school yeah, right. um, to subsidise everything else yeah. and 
I don't, it's not like I don't want to get to the point where I don't have to work. That'd be great. But I'd get bored. I'd get. I'd get. I'd want to have something else to do mm. as well as the stand-up. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think if it, I think if you if you don't if you just put all your eggs into one basket as well. Yeah. It makes you if you just do stand-up. What are you going to write about? Exactly. Exactly. You have absolutely fuck all. You need to have some sort of life. I'm, I'm not speaking like someone who's a year and a half in, but like, yeah, it's, it's kind but of But it's true. good that you've got such a good switched on head trip because yeah. I certainly didn't have that when <laughs> I was... Albeit I would like go, what I said, loads of jobs, mm. but I thought stand-up was easy and I was like, I've got my 10 minutes and it's good and I'm getting <laughs> places and so I don't need to worry about, you know, making it better or... So... How did you go about getting an agent, first of all? Um, well, like I, said, I told you the thing with Daryl. Yeah. When I was there, basically, um, because of then done Buzzcocks, another yeah. agent came in for me who, um, they dropped a lot of people that they had, but also my agent who, I, who signed me there, um, they sort of tempted me over with money in terms of like they got me like a BBC uh, DVD like first look agreement thing this is a long time ago I was like yeah. so I got basically they was like if you come here we can get you like a few grand from this Okay. so I was like right well I'm coming because I needed money Yeah. but actually my agent at the time like on the TV side of it was Debbie Allen and she was fantastic and that yeah. was the biggest mistake of my career was leaving her to go to these guys because within a month or two my agent had fallen out with the main agent and left I got given to somebody who hated me really and wanted me to change what I did and the only year that I had off of Edinburgh out of the, the 11 years was the year where they said I think we're going to try and repackage you I was like why don't you repackage me I've just been on TV this year so uh, but I took their advice and then before the next Edinburgh came around I'd already left because I didn't get on with this woman so much and she just obviously thought shit she might have been right I wasn't going yeah. but uh, yeah and then like I think through I got Buzzcocks again so then that helped me get an agent uh, I was with PBJ and I was there for a long time and it just nothing was going on I left and I bumbled around I haven't had an agent for about three years and then I in the last like three months I signed with a Momentum like, yeah with Momentum so it's like and that was just like saw my Edinburgh show yeah almost by I didn't even I bumped into one of the assistants they came to my show yeah. and luckily Zoe who runs it she like knew who I was and then like sent out loads of videos and like I think hopefully my just my attitude of really wanting to work hard hmm. and probably I think what gets me a lot of traction these days is people are surprised that I'm not like shit and whimsical and yeah. um, unreliable and lazy so people are like when they've got that opinion of you and you're the opposite of that, that's better than people thinking you're good and going, oh yeah, they're good. It's like, oh, we think you shit. Oh, actually, it's good. And then that gives, do you know what I mean? Yeah. gives I've you got an a... extra, like, excitement about me because they're like, God, I thought he was shit and he's no. actually all right. Whereas if they thought I was all right and I'm all right, they're like, yeah, that's what I thought. And yeah. you don't get any reaction. <laughs> so, well, also, also, to your credit, you are probably one of the first, few, one of the first com- comments I've had on this. You've actually turned up actually on the dot oh. at 2 o'clock well I, I don't live fast 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not far away and also not busy today. <laughs> so yeah, that's why. Ah, but your fucking punch challenge is great. So what advice would you give as um, someone who's just starting out? Um, try and be. I still think being original is so important. Like, yeah. um, find what is different about you and sort of hone in on that. But don't like disregard all the rules of being of what obviously makes somebody that is a brilliant proper comic. And what I mean by that, like you know, somebody that, that, that someone like Jeff Innocent, yeah. yeah, proper comic. Yeah, there is a reason Mike Gunn, proper comic. Like people that are doing the things that they do on stage, they're doing them for a reason because they fucking want it. Yeah. But it's not enough to just have be like a carbon copy of a you know observational comedian. You've yeah. got to have your own sort of twist on it as well. And whether that's and part of that should be how you look. Part of that should be everything, every advantage you can gain. Like yeah. think about everything: how you stand, how you walk, how you talk, uh, your opening, all that kind of stuff. But mainly, watch everything you do. Like film it, watch it and also um, write as often as possible. Yeah. Trump says the guy that's decided not to write for a <laughs> That's because I have, for probably like the last, my whole career, but like intently for like the last six years, I've written like solidly. Yeah. So I just thought, I wonder what would happen as I'm not writing an Edinburgh show if I gave myself like three months so I don't write a joke. So then when I start again, see how I do it. So that's what I'm doing, but it's that's just like a weird experiment. Yeah. But um, I also just think like like get influences from loads of places that aren't comedy. Like I yeah. too many people. Like I watch a lot of musicians for my sort of like things that are taken onto stage of me. Like yeah. there's a singer called Father John Misty, and he really like like he's, he's kind of a bit of a prunery kind of like ladies man kind of he leans on a lot of stuff weirdly and sort of like rives around a bit and I was like oh it'd be pretty cool if I could somehow inject a bit of that into like when I'm on stage because you just want people to take notice of you uh, or like I, when I'm trying to write a show I read loads but I don't think it matters what you put in your brain but you've got to feed it so that something comes out yeah. the other end whereas if you just do stand up watch stand up like where you're going to get your anything that's any different it's true from. I mean I think it's important to like someone on my level to go and go and watch the actual clubs oh 100% yeah. but I think but also like, you've got to be yeah. like you know watch some bands read some books yeah. go to an art exhibition because yeah. uh, even if you don't think it's going to be useful something somewhere in your brain you don't know when you're going to use it no um, it's the creative side it'll be the creative side well, something to do with the creative side it will switch it will switch it on like my my best show I did a show where I tried to explain the universe in an hour and that came about because for no reason other than I thought it was interesting I read a book about an astronaut who spent a whole year in space longer than anyone's ever spent in space it was like his diary and I read that and then all of a sudden I was like I'm going to make a show about this guy and then it turned into like a show about you know, but, me too. But if I'd never read that book, I never would have written my best show. But I yeah. wasn't reading that because I wanted to write stand up about it. You were reading it. I read it because it was interesting. That's something that I need to improve. That's something that I need to improve on because I am just generally reading a lot of autobiographies. Mm. And whilst they're great, 
they aren't expanding my worldview as much as, as right. much as they need to. Like, so that's one thing I'm going to do. For the, I'm going to do that for this year. But yeah, yeah. It's great that you got inspiration from something which a lot of people probably would say you wouldn't get inspiration from. Yeah, and I don't know. I just think like a lot of. I think I don't know, read, I'm really crap at reading, but I think it's yeah. really, I, whenever I do it, I feel like it always I always get something from it somewhere at some yeah. point down the line. Even at the time, I'm going, how's this going to help my career? Should be writing, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I don't know. I'm just, sometimes you just got to let your brain have a bit of time to relax. And that's it. Like have a bit of time in the world so that you can write about the world. Yeah, that's right. So uh, let's segue, segue a little bit. Yeah. Steptoe and Son. Oh yeah, right. So, why? So, why did you choose Steptoe and Son? So, I think it's. I think a lot of the time it's what you grew up on. Like, I remember yeah. that very from very early on in my childhood. Like similarly, Fools and Horses. Yeah. You know, um, it's like uh, basically the thing I love about Steptoe and Son is the relationship yeah. between Steptoe and Son. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> and and Harold. The uh, son, the way that he will have a hissy fit, like yeah. one of my favourite things. Um, I only started doing this in maybe my last three or four shows. And my favourite things is to have like a bit of a like hissy fit breakdown on stage, like that everyone knows is like fully part yeah. of the show. Yeah. So, like this year in my show, I the whole show I spent slagging off young people, even though I'm only 35. Like, yeah. like pick on yeah. the youngest yeah. person in the room. Yeah. I'm really laying to it. And at the end of the show, I read out. Um, the transcript of a YouTube video interview by a young radio presenter. Yeah. To, well, an, an actual. Yeah, young. yeah. It's, it's called Roman Kemp. Oh. Uh, interviewing yeah, Ariana yeah, Grande, yeah, yeah, and his yeah. phone goes off, and it's his Tinder, and they start talking about yeah. that. And I do it dressed as a phone, <laughs> but I do it directly to like the young guy that I've been picking on all show, and as it like descends into this utter like banal nonsense, <laughs> I start shouting, "Is this what you young people want?" Yeah, I'm not getting anywhere like this. That's what, that's what the future. Like, and I just really late, and I go, oh, I bet this is what your life's like. And I had this whole monologue that went on for like five minutes of like yeah. how feckless I reckon this young boy's life was. <laughs> um, and then at the end of like that whole thing, my my wife would come on stage because she was doing a show, so I had her tech for me. Yeah. And she and I go, and the whole show I was pretending I was younger than I was. Oh, and at the end really? of the show, she comes on and she's like, you can't be this horrible to people. Like, you've got to be nicer. And also, um, stop, stop telling people that you're 31, you're 35. <laughs> and then that would get me, and that was the end of the show. Oh. Like me just looking like. Oh shit. <laughs> but because I think having that, like, and in step turns, it's like they're trying to always one up each other. Yeah. And like, I know quite a lot of my shows, I've had someone do like a walk-on part that like kind of something I've been setting up all through the show and they just piss on it yeah. from a great height and I lose the plot <laughs> because and that's kind of what most Steptoe Sun episodes do and I made a thing like when I was at the height of my being allowed to do things because of like buzzcocks I entered into a, a thing where you send in your idea and they were going to make 10 projects and they were going to give each project 10 grand to make the project and mine was I wrote it uh, with my friend uh, John who's like a director and like script writer and it's called John Hopkins um, I don't know what he's doing now I'm not saying if he is but this put quite a lot of stress on John, John if, you're, if you're listening yeah. hi. <laughs> but uh, he's an incredible mind and basically we wrote this thing it was like step time something in the future nice so like me and my uncle work in a burger van 
outside of a, a rocket station where people leave Earth to go to the other planet in like 50 years time. Mm. And the only people that still live on Earth are like people that are too old or too poor to travel. And our burger van is the last thing you see before you get on the space bus to leave. But it's kind of quite a surreal, futuristic version of Steptoe. It's on YouTube. No one's ever seen it. So, uh, so is, was it kind of pitched a bit of a, sit- as a sitcom? Sort? Yeah, but okay. it's like we made five eight-minute episodes. Nice. It's called Intergalactic Sausage. It's like out on YouTube. Intergalactic Sausage. Yeah. I'm... But basically, it was just uh, that relationship of uh, we can't live without each other, yeah. but we can't stand each other. Like I am going off traveling around the universe. So I'm working at his burger van to save up the money to go traveling, like backpacking around the universe. Yeah. He is desperate to keep me because I'm the only thing he's got in his life other than his shitty burger van. Yeah. But he won't ever admit that he loves me. I won't ever admit that I don't really want to leave him because I'm scared to go off into the universe. Yeah. And that's what Steptoe and Son is. The Son has got all these highfalutin ideas that he doesn't want to be uh, associated with the rag and bone. Mm. They're both rag and bone men. Yeah. Uh, with the yard and all that, like going out on the horse and cart trying to get old scraps <laughs> so they can make a turn a profit on it yeah and the and the dad's kind of like wants tells his son he wants him to do better but he's so shit scared of him to leave and so that always caused them to rub up against each other yeah and it's one of the only sitcoms where they very rarely is there well there's no other main characters in no. it there's no other recurring characters hardly in the whole however many series they made it's about the relationship with these two guys and the only reason another character is there is to you know show that relationship being sort of stretched so you might come into the episode as someone that's coming around uh, to read the gas meter yeah but they'll be fighting over like well, why didn't you jimmy the meter or like whatever and the gas, uh, yeah. so as a sitcom it's quite unusual there's no other characters in it other than them two but that's I think that's quite nice and so in a way it's like back to the reason not fit it's double act yeah I mean? it is a double it is a double act and I think that's sort of what we're, I think that's one of the things we're missing because a lot of them now are basically five five friends live, um, yeah. who all just happen to happen to go to the same bar, coffee shop, or whatever at the same at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it's been absolutely that's the, that's the uh, that's the formula that's in fashion. You know yeah. I mean? And this so, one isn't in fashion. It's maybe why it didn't get anywhere. Maybe it wasn't good enough. I don't know. But yeah. I I certainly watch it back and think, could it have been funnier? Possibly. Uh, but we worked as hard as we could on it, and at the time we thought oh, this is a, this, like a good thing that we've made. Especially bearing in mind it was five eight-minute yeah. things that we're then hoping the production company is also hoping will sell on to make a full series, and that's where people make their money. But you know, we spent all the money on the production. We never got paid. No. Uh, we we basically hired a studio for five days hide a burger van and put it in front of a green screen so we had a real burger van yeah but the whole background was green screen so all the futuristic stuff was like drawn in afterwards so, so did you have extras and stuff like going up in space or was yeah, it like yeah yeah like uh, and we had like again every now and again a character would come by to further on our and it was really stupid ideas like um in one episode um like a phone box thing was put next to our van it's called a look boo and for you know money you go in and it gives you a brand new look, like a makeover. And that, so that was the premise of the episode. I went in, got a new look, and instantly became famous. And by the end of the episode, I'd lost everything. So it was a bit like Mr. Ben in a little, yeah. way, in a little way. So that was like one eight-minute episode. Another one was like, um, it's the day that I'm leaving. Yeah. 
So my uncle has bought himself his home euthanasia kit. <laughs> and he's saying, when you leave, there's nothing left for me, I'm going to take it. And I'm oh. saying, I don't believe you're going to take it. I'll leave when you take it. Oh. The whole episode is that. <laughs> um, and yeah, they're all pretty much like that. So it's all just about the dynamic of the two of them. Yeah, yeah, basically. finding stuff for them to squabble over. Yeah. Man, where can people see you? Where can people find you? Uh, my Instagram mainly, uh, Joey Page Comedy. Nice. Um, I'm on Facebook and Twitter, but I'm not so good at them. Um, and like, there's videos of me on doing stand-up from the past and the present. Yeah. Uh, I do a radio show every Wednesday on a radio station called Food Bar Radio, where I play new and alternative music and interview like loads of up-and-coming bands nice. and sometimes some quite big ones. And I'm working on loads of things that hopefully will pop up on YouTube in the next year or so, but they're not even filmed yet, so who knows. <laughs> so where can people find, where can people see, um, what dates have you got coming up? Uh, I should have probably worked this out, but <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't really got loads because I'm going, I'm going away for a month. I'm driving across America on my honeymoon. Oh, nice one. I got married like nearly two years ago, but we've okay. been saving. Uh, oh, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. That's but good. we're driving across America for a whole month, so Sick. it's probably the best place to see me. Do you reckon you're gonna? Do you reckon you're gonna get uh, gonna get any gigs when you're out there? No. Uh, I couldn't think of anything worse than mixing business with pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Because <laughs> I'm just get stressed, and it's like yeah. I'm not there for that. No. Um, but yeah, uh, on my Instagram when I'm doing a, a sort of a gig anywhere, I always post about it. So that's probably the best place to find out what I'm up to. But to the top of my head. I don't think... God, I'm so bad at this. Yeah, I don't That's know. That's all right. No worries, man. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure meeting you. Oh, yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks for coming on, It's very on, rare man. that, you know, people want to talk to me, so yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. fine.